When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey friends, have you ever wanted to like hang out with me and Sam? Because now you can. Uh, Every month over on Patreon, we are hanging out on Zoom, March 2020 style, with our patrons (laughs) who subscribe at the $10 level. This month we are hanging out on July 31st at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're going to send out a Zoom message to all of our patrons who are subscribed at that level. So if you want to come hang out, listen to us chat, ask us a question either via video or private chat or whatnot, um, come over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. We also know that this not might not be in everyone's budget, or maybe there are other things that you want to spend your hard-earned money on, and we are also totally okay with that. Thank you so much for listening and for being part of this community, even if you can't support us on Patreon. But if you would like to, you can go to patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can subscribe for one month to join this most upcoming one. You can subscribe monthly. You can subscribe annually, whatever works for you. But please come and hang out with us. We would love to see your beautiful faces or not if you don't want to be on camera. That's also an option. <laughs> That's patreon.com slash pod. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like secret elopements, rewriting our patterns in conflict, and the Supreme Court, which will be great. (laughs) Uh, But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning that uh, Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. We're also not lawyers, which is going to come into the conversation (laughs) in the third letter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, like, please take our legal advice and throw it in the trash. Yeah, like, do Um. not take it. Like, relationship Uh. advice, maybe take it with a grain of salt. Legal advice, absolutely not. Do not listen Mm -mm. to us. We've got nothing. Yeah. Uh, Sam and I are not professionals, so please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble and uneducated musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Quick caveat. I'm sorry. I'm sick. My daughter had two days of daycare and then brought home like, I don't know, a fucking cold from hell. COVID free. Thank you. Or, or thank, thank goodness. Um, but, uh, totally rocked, rocked my household. Uh, she's doing great. I'm doing just barely good, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's what you get for being a parent, um, and having a baby cough directly into your mouth. So yeah, sorry you mentioned for that before we started and I'm still really confused about <laughs> how that was happening. Well, you're like holding your baby and you're like looking at her and then she coughs right in your face. Like <laughs> it's it's a thing. Ask other parents. Like it's it's, it's an unavoidable thing. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh apologies for my voice. Um let's get into our check-in topic. Uh, Check-in topic, we're going to do the fan favorite meme review, where we review relationship memes um, found online at random Instagram accounts. All right, you ready, Sam? I'm so ready. Uh, Okay, this one is actually from somebody's 
Twitter, like share it onto an Instagram account, but I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to share the handle because I don't like publicly shaming um, people specifically, you know, like these meme accounts. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Maybe I should reanalyze this whole gimmick. Um, anyways, uh, this tweet says, and it's also about their mother, like something their mom says. So I feel bad about it. <laughs> 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 this tweet says, my mom said, quote, stick with the guy that loves you, not the guy you love, because the guy that loves you will go to the end of the earth for you. But the guy you love will only love you on his terms. End quote. She's always said a woman can grow to love, but a man either loves you from the start or doesn't. <laughs> Listen, we've got I some gender essentialism in this. <laughs> love that. Love that. Yeah. <clears throat> I respect your mother as a human being, and yes. I honor your relationship, and also <laughs> heavily disagree with this advice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, definitely agree that this is weird advice. <laughs> let's let's break it down. Stick with yeah. the guy that loves you, not the guy you love. It, I think that in a uh, an ideal world, like you would love and he would love you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you would love him and yeah. he would love you. Like that's how it would kind of work. Like yeah. it would be like reciprocal, you know, like it wouldn't be just like one-sided. If this was real in real life, like there would be no breakups because you would never leave the person who loves you. Right, right. And I have been loved by some shitty people. Same. <laughs> yeah. And I have been that shitty person loving another person who also, like definitely deserved to be left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um and then the next sentence is because the guy that loves you will go to the end of earth end of the earth for you and the guy you love will only love you on his terms. So I like I get what your mom's trying to do in that in that sentence like I get, you know, in like poetry feedback we'd be like I get what the writers attempting to do. <laughs> <laughs> sure. In this particular line um but the there's other context here. I understand that you're trying to say like in a relationship where you love the person, but they're like, I don't know, showing up on their terms, which I don't know, sounds like healthy boundaries to me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I can't just, I can, I'm trying to defend the sentence. Like I see the motion that you're going in and, but I just like can't get behind it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the last yeah. sentence is, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, um, I think, again, like in an ideal world, like you would both be willing to do things for the other person. And I understand the sentiment of like, um, stick with like stick with people who treat you well, who are like willing to do things for you rather than be with yeah. people who are like d- asking you to do things only yes. on their own terms. Yes. Right? Like that's yeah, absolutely. And like give people maybe a second glance when they're like kind to you, even if you're feeling like, oh, we're not immediately sparking or whatever. Like, that's great too. Like, that's fine. It's like just the, the either or mentality of this, of like, where it's like, there's so much more nuance and also like, hopefully in a relationship, more reciprocity in the way that you're like being together and the things you're doing for each other. And like, you also don't want a person who's going to like sacrifice themselves to like be with you and like yes. become totally self-effacing. Absolutely. Yeah. And also like who wants to date a doormat? Probably like a lot of people, honestly, but like <laughs> you want somebody to hey, have some boundaries. Don't kink shame them. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want people to be able to say like, 
here are things that I'm not willing to do because like that makes them a full human being <laughs> with like yeah, yeah. preferences and boundaries. I think that is a perfect segue into my last point about the last sentence, which is a, the line, a woman can always love, but a man either loves you from the start or doesn't. And I think like the, that's like obviously problematic for many reasons, but I guess the biggest takeaway for me is men are as emotionally complex and, and richly diverse in their human experience as everybody else is. We just yep. love to suppress that in them. And we love to like continue that as some sort of fucked up gender joke. Like, ah, my boyfriend doesn't care about anything because he's a dude. Um, and that hurts him in so many ways because we're not a inviting him to the vulnerability table and we're not like encouraging that. And we're B right. we are, we are telling him stories about himself that, that ultimately turn into a lot of pressure to like be this unemotional black mm -hmm. and white creature that we mm -hmm. are just not uh, yep. as humans. So I would give this a one out of 10 just yeah. for the small gesture <laughs> yeah. that you explained earlier. Uh-huh. That's the Sorry. only reason why it has Sorry, one point. Sorry, this person's mom. <laughs> uh, okay, this is, a, this is a kind of juicy one. If he blocks you on social media... Oh, wait, this is from the tinder blog <laughs> oh my god it's a shared post between two accounts called the tinder blog and stop narcissistic abuse man oh. instagram therapy is just going fucking wild these days <laughs> and we are just as guilty of it so we're being mindful of that but anyway <clears throat> this this one says if he blocks you on social media he's not over you and neither is his girlfriend what <laughs> First of all, just like the presumed heteronormativity in all of these <laughs> memes. It's yeah. like, ladies, this is directed at you and your man is whatever. Oh, yeah. Um I don't think I <laughs> I don't think I understand. <laughs> if he blocks you on social media, it's actually like because he's not over you. And his girlfriend, um, this is what I'm assuming from my own toxic past. Sure. His girlfriend, like, doesn't want him looking at your account. Oh, yes. That's how the, I'm interpreting it. The, um, the but, motif you know, another, of like, a the queer shrill theory. woman controlling the man, for sure. The harpy no, no. telling him yeah, what he yeah. can and can't do. <laughs> this is, no, no, I love this. If you, if you analyze this through queer theory, this is a bisexual... <laughs> fucking moment because your your ex-boyfriend is not over you and neither is the your ex-girlfriend who and they're now dating <laughs> okay it Finally, just went up a couple points English it, major. <laughs> it went yeah. up a couple points based on that analysis <laughs> it's paying off anyway uh yeah i mean no somebody can block you because they're not over you yeah sure totally i do that also, like, I, like, what does that mean like what is it what is that to Honestly, you? Honestly, it's it's the harpy <laughs> thing that you brought up. Is that like his new girlfriend doesn't want you fucking looking at his or her him looking at your account or whatever. Which sure. accountability moment? I interpreted that as such because in the past, when my shitty ex cheated on with me with somebody with his quote friend, I was like, "You fucking black that woman right now," you know, yeah. because I was deeply insecure and hurt, and I should have just fucking broken up with him instead of trying to 
manipulate and control him in a way that would lead to him not hurting me anymore. But sure. that's putting my safety and security in his hands and not in my own. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. I think in a future relationship, if this happened, I would just leave the relationship um, because it, I had been shown repeatedly that it was unsafe instead of being like, I don't want you to have access to this person, which I have to be, you know, I got to be fair, like was a safety thing for me, you know, like emotionally, mm -hmm. like, I think mm -hmm. it makes sense if you were like, so my boyfriend cheated on me and he still sees this girl or boy or, you know, non-binary person all the time. Can I ask him to stop seeing them? And I would say, absolutely. You can absolutely have that boundary. But also in my, in, like I said, in my case, it was like me trying to control somebody, stop them from hurting me instead of like taking the agency and like leaving, you know? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I I'll say, I think like, ahead. If, if your ex blocks you, that means that he is establishing boundaries, is what this meme should say. <laughs> and why he's doing that is really none of your business. <laughs> there it is. There it is right there. <laughs> doesn't matter. doesn't matter. He's just like establishing those boundaries. All right. So what are we going to say? Three out of 10 just because of the bisexual We'll give it a, a two. We'll give it a analysis. two out of 10 for your, yeah. your queer analysis of it. Very good. All right, our last one is from the account womenrelation.ship with two eyes. <laughs> definitely definitely like not it. a robot. <laughs> definitely not. No, definitely a real human came up with the name of that <laughs> Patreon account. Yeah. Uh, you said Patreon. <laughs> Oops. Instagram, Instagram. account. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one says, uh, no female wants to start over with a new guy telling secrets, giving her body away, falling all over again, period. It's just too much ellipses, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> just fucking doom, doom city over here. <laughs> Weird, sexist doom city. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. Like I get it. It's hard to start over. Um, no, it's female? a lot of work. <laughs> We, I was I was trying to I was trying to see the <laughs> the good in this. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, starting over is difficult. Like being vulnerable with new people is challenging. Having to go through the process of getting to know people and sharing parts of you with other people is like not super fun. Like it's part of the reason why breakups are so hard because there's also that element of like, wow, not only am I losing this person, but also this idea of having to start over sounds really scary and, yeah. and not fun and like a lot of work. I get that. Yeah, you're taking the high road. I'm going to just shit all over this. Because uh, <laughs> like, first of all, let me just tell you, it's not a bad thing to tell people your secrets. Like vulnerability is the path to freedom um, and that your worst thing about yourself is not something to be ashamed of you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And also you don't give your body away when you have sex with somebody. Your body sure. is yours all the time. It's not like a stain that you carry around with you after you have sex with somebody. Like I just fucking hate the phrase giving her body away because it just like reinforces yeah, this weird puritanical like idea that you're impure sure. when you have a sexual partner. Um, and you're not, you're just not like your sexual encounters don't stay with you afterwards. Like a, you know, 
And not plus, like it's your fucking follows, body. It's your autonomous you know? choice to have sex with somebody or not. Um, Absolutely. Yes, Sam is correct. Starting over is really fucking hard. I remember saying those exact words when I got out of my last relationship. I don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. And also, no female. <laughs> it's just <laughs> really broad, man. It's really like, I don't know, it's, like biological. <laughs> right. And... uh that's not really where I turn to find like true human nuanced experiences. No. And maybe there are people out there who, who do like starting over. Right. Yeah. Who's like totally this experience of getting to know people and um, meeting people for the first time is actually super fun. And yeah. I actually really enjoy doing that. That's or actually my leaving, favorite part like, of a shitty relationship, you know, for and sure. they're like, yeah. I'm ready to like reclaim myself. Absolutely. All right. So, I would say like two points for the i the the core ideas that you pulled out of this, but negative a million points for all the other toxic things. <laughs> does that does that seem accurate to you? Yes, absolutely. So right. negative nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred and ninety eight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. 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 Okay, that ends our segment of rate this meme is what I just named it now, like it. fourteen episodes later. R- um, w R nope. <laughs> Don't know where the W came from. <laughs> RTM is what we'll call it now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh let's get into our letters for this week. All right. This letter comes from Happy But Sad, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from New England. Dear Sam and Sierra, first of all, thank you so much for this podcast. I have learned so much from y'all, and I can honestly say that you have made a positive impact on my life. Good for you for bringing good into the world. I am writing because, like all of your other letter writers, I have a problem. First, you need some backstory. Two years ago, I started dating the absolute love of my life. Let's call him Mark. Mark and I had actually been friends and colleagues for about a decade prior Several times a year, we would be in the same town on a job together, but we're both married to other people. There had always been a strong connection between us, so when I moved to his city after my divorce and learned that he also got divorced during COVID, we started seeing each other and settled into the most beautiful, loving relationship I could ever imagine. He genuinely completes me. We understand each other on a level I never knew was possible and make each other unbelievably happy. For the last two years, we have been living together in absolute bliss. There is one unusual aspect of our relationship, however. We have a significant age gap. I am 34 and he is 66. I do not feel like our respective ages affect our relationship in any way, be it positively or negatively. We are two beautiful souls whose timing coming into this world was slightly less than perfect than it could have been. He is incredibly healthy, both physically and mentally, as am I, and we treat each other as equals in every way. All of our friends fully support our relationship, and I am so incredibly happy for us. I have some honest-ass friends who are not afraid to speak up if they think I'm fucking my shit up. Unfortunately, my mother is very disturbed by the difference in our ages, and after two years, her attitude has not improved. She is rude to Mark, though she usually chooses to ignore his presence entirely. When Mark tries to engage with her and ask her questions, she will either not respond or look in the other direction and give a one-word response. If we go on a walk, she will walk 20 feet ahead with her phone to her ear. My mom does not want me to talk about Mark or our relationship at all where she and I talk on the phone. 
She claims that after my divorce, she simply doesn't want to, quote, add another person. My sweet dad is totally fine with Mark, by the way, and goes out of his way to embrace him and our relationship. My parents are still married, for context. This is all the backstory you need to understand my current predicament. After a year of living together, Mark and I mutually decided that we wanted to get married, though we thought it was best to give my mother a year to warm up to Mark before tying the knot. This brings us to two weeks ago. It had been a year since we decided to get engaged, and nothing had changed with my mom. Mark and I decided to get married at the courthouse with two of our closest friends as witnesses. We were tired of waiting. It was a beautiful ceremony, and it was absolutely perfect for us. Leading up to the wedding, I had decided it was more important for me to be able to enjoy our day than tell my mother beforehand and deal with the hysterical crying, lashing out, silent treatment, and other manipulations that she would try and pull to talk me out of it. So I didn't tell her or my father what we were planning on doing. We kept the fact that we were married very private and we were going to wait for the right time to break the news to my family. This brings us to now. Mark and I just closed on our dream house a few days ago. After the closing, my mother, who is a real estate agent, pulled the title to the house, which apparently lists our marital status. She is absolutely devastated that I got married without telling her. I feel horrible, but also feel like she's the one who created the conditions for something like this to happen. I'm at a loss for what to do. All I want is her acceptance and support. How can I make things right with her? Is this all on me? I feel like I have tried everything. She refuses to go to therapy with me. I have been asking for years. How can I show her that I didn't exclude her because I wanted to, but because I didn't feel there was any other option? Am I totally fucked up? I have super duper apologized, but my mom insists that our relationship is dead. Any thoughts and advice would be so appreciated. Love you too. Happy, but sad. Thank you so much for writing. Happy, but sad. I love that. But sad is one word. It's yeah. the, it's the last <laughs> it's name for y'all uh-huh. that can't see it. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing. Happy but sad. Um, hey, congratulations on getting married. I'm buying a new house and having a fucking what sounds like a wonderful relationship. This letter is so juicy and and lovely. We're really <laughs> we're grateful to answer it. Um, but I just wanted to start by congratulating you because you found love and. You know, that's that's not something that happens to everybody. And uh, despite um, maybe some internal conflict with your family and external judgment because of your age gap, um, I just want to say, like, this is a good thing. It's something worth fighting for, especially if it is as good as you say it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so uh, this sucks. Um, upon... First, reading this letter, I I have strong feelings about it all. Your your mother has a right to feel disappointed, you know, like mm-hmm. she has a right to her feelings. And also, I believe that her actions are inappropriate, right? Like she's she's mm-hmm. an adult. You're an adult. You're not some eighteen year old like running off with somebody, right? Uh, and so, to answer your question, like. You know, you feel bad that you hid this from her. And also she created the the climate in which you would do such a thing. Both of those statements can be true, right? Like, yeah, I I, I would say I would say in the long term, you pr- you know, we can't go back in time and I'm not here to to tell you you made the wrong choice because I I don't necessarily think you did. But it's a perfect example of how like we avoid certain conflicts in the 
in the in the moment and that leads to like a a larger conflict in mm. in time you know sort mm -hmm. of like not you know breaking up with somebody <laughs> when you first feel like it or not yeah. not expressing that your boundaries were crossed or whatever first and then having them crossed again in the future and having it being a bigger thing later however as much as i think like yeah maybe you should have told her i also think i also deeply relate to the idea that you shared of like you just wanted to be present that day you just wanted to be able to like have your joy and have it purely and like not be thinking about somebody's negative fucking attitude and i think you have a right to that joy just like your mother has a right to her feelings and her frustrations you have a right to your joy so like i, I mean hindsight is 2020 like sh should have told her but also like fuck mm -hmm. that is yep. maybe the summary of my advice <laughs> or of my reactions to that yeah absolutely and i think that the you know your mom's reaction isn't of you, um, right? Like I have a post-it note on my computer actually, which I can see, which is like, uh, it literally says it's not personal. Like other people's reactions to you are not you, right? Which I have to remind myself wow. all the time, right? Wow. Like other people's reactions to the things that I'm doing are important information for me to like take into consideration about how I want to behave. But other people's reactions to me are not mine, right? Like they don't belong to me. They are not in and of me. Um, and the same thing is true with your mom, right? Like the, your mom's reaction to you isn't your job. And I know that you have been taught that, right? Like it sounds to me like this, that like your mom is kind of emotionally immature and, and really yeah, expects totally. you to do a lot of emotional caretaking for her in these sort of outsized and honestly like very immature ways of handling things that she's uncomfortable with. Um, and I want to say to you, like, it's not your job to fix your mom or to make your mom feel better. Right. Like, even though I know that that has been, that's what she's been telling you for the last 34 years that you've been alive. Yeah. And I want to say that because first of all, I want to relieve you of that burden and, and say like, your mom's really pissed at you right now. And if she says your relationship is over, that's an outsized reaction to something that I, that you did that hurt her. Right. <laughs> like, and it's not your job to say like, you need to have a different reaction. Cause you're, you're not her. She needs to take care of her own no. shit. And she's an adult. And, right. And I think that accepting some of this kind of stuff where we recognize that other people's reactions to us are not ours to, to handle allows us to say harder truths in a way that feels less guilty for us, right? Like, I just think about like, if you had been in a place where you had been able to recognize that your mom's freak out has nothing to do with you, then it would have been easier to tell her beforehand because you would have been like, yep, she's going to freak out. And like, that's not my problem, <laughs> right? Like, and it would have, uh, like Sierra said, it would have maybe. Maybe, we don't know, but. Right, it would have maybe at least like done the harder thing first so that it wouldn't be as hard down the road. But that's like neither here nor there because like you you did it, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's done. The past is in the past. But I want to say that because I want you to be able to move into the future with a different understanding of what is your job and isn't your job, right? Like it's not your job to make your mom, you apologized, right? And that's really all that you can do. Yeah. You said, I'm sorry that I hurt you. 
And I know that, like, I recognize, I see the hurt that you have. And it's totally valid because I did a thing that definitely hurt you. And she's not accepting that, right? And it's not your job to make her accept it. That's hers. She needs to figure that out. And it sucks because, like, this is your mom. And it sounds like you two have a relationship with each other. And it sounds like you take a lot of time considering her and her feelings. And she's in this moment taking zero consideration of you. (laughs) And seems like she has been for the past two years taking zero consideration of you or of Mark, right? Which is, which is frustrating. It's really, really annoying and and painful to have to be in that situation where you're doing a lot of emotional caretaking for somebody who's doing absolutely none back for you. Yeah, absolutely. And just quick caveat to something I said earlier that I realized when you were talking, which is like, I was like, she's an adult. She should be able to handle this. That's such fucking bullshit. (laughs) Now that I think about it, like (laughs) we have that phrase, like, well, they're an adult. Like they, you know, they should know or, or whatever, like grow up or whatever. As if like grown folks know what the fuck they're doing (laughs) or are like historically capable of handling things. That's just like (laughs) not necessarily a helpful statement. So I take that back. There are plenty of adults out there, uh, myself included, who like are not as capable as we would want other adults to be. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh-huh. Um, I think that, you know, one more one more thought about, you know, telling her in the in in the moment or waiting to tell her. I think, like I said, I don't want you to feel any regret about that because although it although that choice hurt her, we do we make difficult decisions to protect our peace and to protect our loved ones. Like you Mm -hmm. actually, you made that decision so that you could have peace and joy on that day that was uncomplicated and you deserve that. And you knew your mother would not be able to give you that. And so you made that choice for yourself. You made it for your husband and you Mm -hmm. also made it for your mother. Like even though Mm -hmm. it hurt her, you made that choice to protect her from the decision that you knew would hurt hurt her, whether that's rational or irrational. Right. Right. Um, and I just want to like forgive you for that. Right. Because we, we make those decisions all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you should, I think you should go to your mom and, and sort of give her like an emotional ultimatum. Not that you don't, I mean, I don't know what your relationship is going to look like after this. Uh, and I don't know what the dynamics are in this current moment, but you said she's, she claims that your relationship is quote dead, right? Wow. Okay. I wonder if I would encourage you to go to her and say something like, I know that I have become something that is unrecognizable to you from, from the life and the daughter that you thought you had and the life that you wanted me to have. Right. Mm. I know that I'm making choices that are outside of the realm of your understanding of me. Mm. But they are made, they are mine, they are made of pure of heart and authenticity. I am happy and we only have one life and you are losing precious time with me and my joy the more you resist this. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what your mother's emotional capabilities are. I don't know how much of that she can hear. So like you might have to do some navigating in terms of like affirming affirming her pain right Mm -hmm. but at the at the end of this story to me it's not about her 
feeling finally like you've for, you've apologized enough about the wedding and it's not about you finally feeling justified in not telling your mom about the wedding. The end of the story for me is, are you going to have a relationship with your mother because she's losing you? It's very yeah. obvious to me that she's losing you. And I would actually encourage you if you feel like capable to use those words to say like, you can either choose to accept this relationship or you're losing me. We're losing yeah. precious time here. You know what I mean? For sure. And I'll also say that like your mom is getting her emotional needs met in this moment, right? Like that's the thing is that like the emotional immaturity that she's displaying is getting her the attention that she wants, right? Because she is trying to tell you that she's like in emotional pain. And what you're doing is you're saying, yep, yep, I hear it, I hear it. I'm putting all my attention on you. Like this is, it's like a child acting out, right? Like it, yeah. it that's the situation that we're in. And so thinking about how you are going to establish boundaries around the type of emotional labor that you're willing to do for her is important. And also understanding your own expectations of her in terms of what she is and is not emotionally capable of. Um, because she does sound like a very emotionally immature person. And I would encourage you to read the book that I always talk about, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. Um, because <laughs> your mom dis is displaying textbook example of one of the different types of emotionally immature parents that you're, that Lindsay talks about in that, or Dr. Gibson talks about in, in her book. Um, and that book really is helpful in terms of sort of rewriting our own understanding of how we can interact with and engage with parents who aren't, are literally incapable of doing anything besides the things that they are doing. Absolutely. Um, you can also listen to an interview with Lindsay C. Gibson and Sam and I on our Head and Heart Work interview series. It aired uh, a couple months ago, six months ago. You can just Google her name and just break up and it should come up. Um, but that book has been transformative for my household and for <laughs> Sam. Um, so I would definitely check it out um, as Sam I just lent says. my copy to a friend of mine. So I, it has I'm been doing the work I, for Dr. I fucking Dr. bought it for my sister for her birthday. I was like, happy birthday, bitch. <laughs> Feel like celebrating? Read about our childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but Sam's right. Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my darling, uh, we hope that this helps. And congratulations. Um, and honestly, like, good luck. I know that navigating these th this new perspective and these new boundaries uh, is can be really difficult. Um, but we believe in you and we, we think that you deserve this joy, whether Absolutely. or not it is the joy your mother pictured for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you. We love you. We hope this helps. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you 
lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted conflict avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. Our next letter comes to us from petrified future roommate whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam, Sierra, and Spencer. I should start by saying how much I love your podcast and, as a result, all of you. I'm always amazed by how an episode I think I will not relate to at all will leave me thinking for weeks on end. You have an amazing ability to make everyone feel special and unique and yet the same, imperfect human being as the rest of us. I'm so grateful for that. That is so fucking sweet. Thank you. That's really kind. Now to the why I'm writing section. I, she, her, 27, have been monogamously dating my boyfriend, he, him, 28, for six years. I love our relationship so much. In nine days from now, we are taking the next step and moving in together. And I am terrified. (laughs) I love this letter. (laughs) Absolutely. 
Every day it gets closer to moving, I get more and more nervous. I've been talking about it to anyone who will listen, and now I'm resorting to telling a parasocial relationship <laughs> podcast, but really two strangers. And I can't be comforted by anything people say in response. Oh, no. For some, I know. <clears throat> For some background, we are both currently living alone in the same city, but with inflation, it was getting too expensive to live alone. While I love my boyfriend, let's call him Eli, so much, I have never had the desire to live with him despite being the next step. I love having my own space and I really love sleeping in my own bed. While some people would describe me as an extrovert, I relax on my own, lying on my couch, ignoring Netflix prodding, quote, are you still watching reminders? <laughs> While I have definitely had lazy days like that at Eli's house, it never really is the same when you know someone else is awake in the other room, confused by why you are still watching Gilmore Girls at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. I'm never confused I'm so by that. sorry <laughs> that I complained that I bashed Gilmore Girls those like 20 episodes ago. <laughs> But I love this life for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. anyway, Absolutely. But financial circumstances have pushed us to move in together. At first, I was actually excited. No making plans to see each other. Cooking for two. Spontaneous sex. Let me tell you how fast that goes away. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. I'm, I've interrupted this letter like 300 <laughs> times. But as the weeks have turned into days, I am petrified to the point where I've told Eli so many times that I'm getting nervous. And he has talked me through my fears over and over. But now he has resorted to saying, quote, well, you're stuck with me now. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I think my biggest fear is the potential for conflict. Everyone mm -hmm. who I have asked for living together advice, and at this point I've asked everyone, has said you just have to get comfortable saying when you are upset about something. Honestly, this is something I am terrible at. I much prefer to take space from the person, decide if it's worth bringing up, or more often forget about it completely to avoid confrontation. Eli is not like that at all and is always good at asking me to tell him when and why I'm upset with him. The thing is, sometimes having to explain why I'm upset feels like I have to rationalize it. I mm. grew up in a home where fights created more fights, not re resolutions. And as a kid who was often and still is the mediator between parent fights, I really hate bringing things up for fear that I'm about to explode a bomb I didn't know was there at all. I've been working on this in therapy, but I only started a few months ago. Writing this out has helped me realize what my fear is, that our new apartment will turn into the tense environment of my childhood, where the air is thick with the unsaid. But in an apartment where I won't even have my own bedroom to hide in, what will our relationship become? Please help me. Any advice on conflict resolution with a partner you live with or how to not let your own fears overcome you would be so appreciated. I'm so worried that my own fear of conflict is a vicious cycle that will actually create more conflict because I'm trying to avoid it. Does that make any sense? Oh, well, yes. thank you. I love you. I hope this helps. Oh, that's so cute. It's a cute that thing so that we she say. That is to us. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> my darling petrified future roommate, um, I think you are moved in by now that this episode um, yes, airs. Is. Uh, I love this letter. You sound very charming. Um, <laughs> let's let's just dive in, shall we? Um, I think that it's really great that you've already been really honest with your partner about your fears and your anxiety. But I want to encourage you again to like, keep articulating these fears, like lay it all out on the fucking table. Like 
read him this letter, you know, (laughs) read him this letter and say like, this is what I'm afraid of. Um, Because I think it's okay to say it all to your loved one and to ask for support so that you too collectively can create a game plan for moving not only through conflict, but through this fear of conflict. Right. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I don't think this is abnormal. I don't think this is a unclimbable mountain, but I do think this is something that you don't have to shoulder by yourself. Like you're not like exponentially fucked up and you're not incapable of conflict or asking for what you want. You've just learned certain coping mechanisms that are not actually that bad to me. Like, I think it's a, you, you say that you like to like rationalize or you feel like to talk about your worries, you have to rationalize them. Um, and I actually just think that like, sounds like maybe emotional maturity. Like I know that there's, (laughs) I know there's some childhood, um, algorithms in you that have told mm-hmm. you that conflict leads to more conflict and it's better to be a peacemaker and it's better to like swallow or rationalize your needs. But also I think, I think the thing that you might need to practice isn't, you know, learning not to rationalize your needs and bringing them up, but how to bring them up despite rationalizing them. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I understand this is why you did X, Y, and Z it doesn't really bother me anymore, but in the moment it did, right? And and that's enough. That's a that's a starting point for conversation and growth and vulnerability with your partner. Right. And I think, you know, I've talked about conflict styles on the podcast before, but I just wanted to name that like in the United States and its colonies, right? Like direct conflict style is seen as the only or best way to handle conflict, right? So like this idea of you go directly to the person, you handle it as quickly as possible, you talk about the issue in as few words as possible, like you get to the heart of it, and then you decide like what the thing that you're going to do is to fix the problem is seen as like the only or best way to handle conflict. Guess what? It's not, right? And so the fact that you need to take time to figure out what you're even upset about is like such a normal way to process through conflict and to handle it. And it's right? really like, healthy. Like, for sure. Absolutely. The idea that we might use nonverbal ways to indicate to our partners or to the people that are around us that we're upset is not a bad thing. It is a it is a perfectly understandable and justifiable means of communication, right? By crossing our arms or by sitting in a particular way or like all of these things, right? Like we're, we are actively telling our partner that we're upset. We have just been told that the best way to do that or the only appropriate way to do that is with words. But that is not the truth. Peter, Peter and I are both pretty indirect when it comes to conflict, right? Like we both don't hash things out in the moment very well. We both need time to figure out what we're upset about and how we want to talk to each other about it. And because we live together, I can tell when Peter is upset about something. So I can say something like, hey, is everything okay? Is there something you want to talk about? And he can say, no, I'm not ready, (laughs) right? Mm, Or he can say, no, I don't know what it is right now, but but we'll figure it out later. And then whatever it is, a day later, three hours later, 20 minutes later, we can come to each other and be like, I think that this is what's really coming up for me. And I don't know how to process it or like, here's what I need from you or whatever it is. Like, that's a really healthy way, at least for us, of handling conflict with each other. Totally. So this idea of like, you need to get good at telling your partner when you're upset. I disagree. 
I think you need to get really good at figuring out what's going to be healthy and going to work for you in your relationship with your partner. And that means you're going to have to talk about how you two handle conflict with each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to need some like agreed upon ways to, yeah. to operate when something's upset so that you can have some, I'll say like shortcuts yes. to, to be able to say, so that he can ask the question and say like, Hey, I'm noticing that you seem a little upset. Are you okay? And you can need, you have permission to say, I don't want to talk about it right now. We will later, but right now I don't even know why I'm upset. Or if I am upset, I just need some time to figure it out. Cool. Great. And that doesn't mean that you're fighting. It just means that you need to figure out what's going on for you. And like, that's totally fine. Right? Like, that's like, so, and even if it's like, he asks you if you're upset and you say no. And then like an hour later you come back and you're like, I was upset and here are the things that I'm upset about. I don't think that that's unhealthy either. Right? Like, I don't think that that's a problem. It's a problem if you're like lashing out at each other in secret ways. Like it sounds like your family used to do. But you can be indirect in conflict and handle things in a very, very healthy way. I promise you that, even if it feels like your family was incapable of doing it. Because being indirect is different than being conflict avoidant. They are two very different things. Wow. My mind is exploding right now, just like recategorizing these ideas that you don't have to change your conflict style. You just have to attempt to talk about how you handle conflicts, right? Yes. You have to Mm -hmm. create a game plan or shortcuts, like you said, to to assess how you're going to deal with conflict in your own unique ways. You got to talk about how to deal deal with conflict, right? Mm -hmm. It's not match each other's conflict styles. It's make a game plan, you know, talk about how you handle conflicts. And it's like flex towards each other too, right? Like it's going to be uncomfortable because you know, if he is more direct and you are more indirect, like you're both going to have to try and meet each other with where you're at. But that doesn't mean that you have to become only direct in how you handle things. It means that you two have to agree around like, where are the places where you're going to be able to flex and adapt to each other? Yeah. And I have to say this as like the overly emotional one here at Just Break Up Pod. Uh-huh. Uh, not that Sam is also deeply emotional. Um, but, you know, you're right. I would I would be lying if I didn't say moving in doesn't change things. It does. Shit gets real when you move in together. Moving in can end friendships, right? <laughs> moving in can challenge the strongest relationship because your everything about your relationship then pivots to being a cohabitation in addition to right. a romantic part- partnership, right? And you can discover the most unromantic things <laughs> about your partner and mm-hmm. yourself. <laughs> yep. You know, like Sam always talks about like nasty morning breath. And I always talk about like shitting your pants. Like, <laughs> and you brought up like watching Gilbert girls at 1am for no reason, you know, uh-huh. cause I, cause I bet you all my money that you've seen all the episodes. <laughs> So these are reruns here at this point. <laughs> um, and and I think the, the terrifying thing that is, um, or like the universal terrifying thing about moving in that you're referencing in your letter is that your partner will come face to face with everything that you dislike about yourself and everything that you mm. try to shine or polish for, for, for people. Um, and they're going to see... They're going to see behind all that polish. They're going to see who you are 
you know, first thing in the morning, they're going to see who you are when you don't have the right words, when you're angry and you don't know how to say it yet. They're going to see you when you're at your saddest, your loneliness, your laziest, um, your dirtiest, you know, and they're going to see your fucking bills and they're going to see how you eat and what trash you eat at 1am, you know? Yep. And I think what I want to lean into a little is that all of those emotions that I just listed, all of those states, states of beings are not bad states of being. They're not things about you that are, that are meant to be hidden away, right? They're not things that will make you less worthy of love or less worthy of being seen. This Mm -hmm. is actually a beautiful thing. It's, it's terrifying and it's deeply vulnerable, but this is what we, what we are talking about when we say, you deserve to be seen and loved wholly as you are. Yeah. And I know that you're afraid of this conflict thing, but I but I also think that there's this bigger conversation about actual actually like love, like letting yourself be be loved fully for the person who wants to have alone time, you know, mm-hmm. being loved for, fully and and looking love in the eye and saying I need six hours away from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, sure. and knowing that not only is your need valid, but your love is strong and secure enough to say, I'll see you in six hours. Enjoy mm-hmm. that Gilmore Girls episode. Suh. Multiple yep. episodes. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, that's, I think that that is really important to recognize is that like, yes, you can find ways to cohabitate in ways that like you, everyone can get their needs met. And part of that is about figuring out how to have those conversations around like what your needs are and how they can give them to you. Right. Like it sounds like your, your partner is really awesome and really wants to support you. So what does it look like for you to ask for alone time? Right. What does it look like for you to say, I'm actually really upset with you right now. So I'm going to go into the bedroom and I will talk about this in an hour, right? Or whatever it is. Um, And again, it doesn't have to be, part of it is about having those types of conversations beforehand so that when you're in the the moment, whether that is like not we're in conflict, but just like I really need some alone time and I'm not sure how to ask for it, to talk about with each other about these things and say like, okay, I'm somebody who really needs alone time. I really just like want to watch Gilmore Girls at 1 a.m. sometimes. So like, I need that. And our, how can we make sure that that is something that I can tell you when I need it, whether that is through words or through something text else message. <laughs> yeah. right? or whatever it is to, to help do that. But like part of it is just establishing some of those those patterns of your own relationship with each other. Like, how are you going to decide how to do that with each other? Um, and it sounds like you really love him and he really loves you. And so my hope is that you would want to find ways to work together and support each other in your relationship and in this big, big change that's happening that you have every right to feel terrified of because it's scary for sure. Um, it's just a big change. So like, it's going to have to take some, some squishiness. It's going to be crunchy until it's smooth is what my, my colleague Tisa always says, uh, Things That's are always cute. uncomfortable until you, we get used to them, right? So our things are always difficult until we do them over and over again and we learn how to do them differently. So cute. just keep working through that um, and recognize that it's going to be kind of uncomfortable until you get to the point where it becomes more comfortable. I have a quick like logistics conver- uh, question for you. Um, 
to end this letter. But one more thought before I ask that question is, I also wonder, like, cohabitating, it, like I said, you're you are adding that to the foundation of this romantic relationship. So maybe it would also help you and your partner to think about your conflicts in different categories. Is this a conflict about somebody's not putting away the dishes or like putting away their laundry? Yeah. Or is this a conflict about I don't feel seen or heard or loved as a partner, right? Mm -hmm. Is this an ad? I would I would describe it as like, is this an admin problem? <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. a, a, a date, you know, I don't know. Yeah, an admin problem, let's say, the day-to-day -day functions, or is this is this a heart problem? You know, is this a For is sure. this a issue of our relationship? Because they can be too, they can be categorized in different ways, and that might take away some of the stress of living together, knowing that like your relationship might not be in jeopardy, but also like maybe your partner really needs you to pick up their socks more. Um, for sure. Or your stocks mm -hmm. more. Okay. The last question I wanted to end this letter on, Sam, as somebody who I know needs alone time to process things or like just is generally pretty good at being independent in their relationship, as is your husband, I believe. Mm -hmm. How did you navigate that when you had that one bedroom? Well, it was technically a two bedroom apartment that I lived in for a while. <laughs> but like <laughs> that guest bedroom wasn't really set up as like a space that you existed in. Um, yeah. So it was hypothetically a one bedroom. Um, how did you guys handle that living in a space like that? Um, we talked to each other about it. Um, you like, know, like I if want I some were, alone time. Yeah, if I were like laying on the couch or something um, for a while, um, like watching Gilmore Girls, because I'm sure that I watched Gilmore Girls <laughs> in that apartment, um, would be like. Um, we sort of have a pattern around like if I want to spend time with him, I will say, Hey, do you want, do you want to watch something different together? Um, yeah. and if I didn't, then I would just keep watching Gilmore girls and he would know that he can figure out what he wants to do somewhere else. Right. And same thing. Like with, if I walk in and he's doing something like he's watching a show that we don't watch together. Um, like I'm welcome to like sit down and like be in the same space, but like, it's sort of the the pattern, like, like that is his alone time. Yeah. Um, and just being really intentional about that. Um, and also, like, we were also very intentional about having separate activities outside of the apartment, too, so that it would be like, okay, well, Peter's going to go on a walk with Allison, which means that I get, like, two hours in the apartment by myself, right? Yes. Or like, okay, I'm going to go out and do happy hour with a coworker. And it's like, great. That means that Peter gets some alone time as well. But yes. I will say that like, as our relationship has progressed together, time is often as restorative as alone time because we're mm. just so used to each other, right? Like there yes. are particular people in my life. Like I can name like three of them where it's like, if I'm, alone with them, it feels like I'm alone. <laughs> so it yeah, feels like we're sort of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we're like, we're doing our things in the same room, but we're doing them separately. And we're not like, I don't feel like I need to do any caretaking. I don't feel like I need to engage with them in any particular right. way. Like it feels really restorative. And Peter and I have that, at least for me, where it's like, he can be around and I can be watching Gilmore Girls and I don't give a shit what he thinks about it because it feels like we're so comfortable with each other now at this point that I don't feel like I need to justify or rationalize any of my behavior 
it's just like, yep, this is, you know me, this is what I do. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, okay, cool. Thanks for that, that insight um, to our letter writer. We believe in you. We're excited for you. Um, and you're worth no, you're worth knowing even at 1am with uh, <laughs> those chatty, chatty broads. With Lorelai and Rory. Yeah. Uh, all right. We love you so much. We hope this helps. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing. All right, our next letter comes from Stanley Yelnats, whose pronouns <laughs> are she, her, and who's writing from Kansas, um, which I think is the character in Holes. It's, I think it, that's right. It sounds familiar. Anyway. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Before getting into my letter, I want to thank you all for the time, energy, and resources you have put into this podcast and community. In no small way, you have both changed my life, and it is such a comfort uh. to be able to tune in and feel like I'm hanging out with my two close friends. This is so not the letter I thought I would submit to you guys, but here we go. I am a 25-year-old lesbian from a small town in Kansas, and I've been so incredibly fortunate to have fallen in love with a woman in my own hometown, let's call her Hallie, who is hilarious, drop-dead gorgeous, and shares the same dreams and values that I do. We met on Hinge in early 2021, and as I write this, we just got engaged nine days ago. The proposal was everything I could have wished for. I love bugs. Yes, uh, it's weird. Not sorry about it. Oh, sorry. She is sorry about it, actually. <laughs> you don't need to be sorry about it. It's fine. Bugs are great. So Hallie rented out the insect museum we have in town, and we got to hold and feed exotic creatures in addition to getting a private tour. She got down on one knee in the tarantula room, and I am still in awe of the fact that somebody loves me in that pure, beautiful, respectful way that I always imagined. <laughs> That's terrifying and adorable. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Growing up gay in the Midwest, especially in small-town America, was hard, and I have only just come into my own in the last four or five years when it comes to my sexuality. After kissing a few frogs and doing heaps of inner work, I found Hallie. From the beginning, we have been intentional about communication and giving each other space to learn and grow and move through things at our own pace. Our relationship is exciting, supportive, and healthy, and it feels like the pieces are finally coming together for me romantically. I can't wait to marry this girl and continue to have build a life together. And now to current events. We got engaged on June 18th, smack in the middle of Pride Month. Hell yeah. Not even a week later, the news came out about Roe v. Wade being overturned. Like so many others, we were devastated. Not only are we now considering slash reckoning with how it feels to be a woman coming of age in an era where our rights are being systematically rolled back and the planet is suffering, but we are afraid that in the not-so-near future, our impending nuptials will once again become illegal. It hurts to have our newly engaged bliss tainted by this ruling. And now we're having very serious conversations about whether to elope sooner rather than later, just in case the wedding we're excited to plan never ends up happening. Even if we do rush to get married, will our marriage end up being nullified? I feel severely undereducated on how all of this works, and I don't particularly want to rush this timeline if we don't need to. My social media is full of panic and conflicting sharing of activist infographics on one end and total business as usual on the other, with both of our families leaning towards business as usual. This brings me to my question. What advice do you have for the situation? Should we just get married now and have the party later? Are we overreacting? Are there any resources you can share about potential options for queer, couple, queer couples in absence of being able to get married? Love you guys so much. Stanley Yelnats. 
Oh, Stanley, my darling. Uh, thank you so much for writing in and for trusting us with this question. Um, I'm so glad to answer it. I saw that you DM'd us right when this happened. And uh, and I'm so glad you wrote in full form in the letter. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I want Sam to kick it off um, with like the logistics of this fear um and how it's very real and then i'm gonna yell <laughs> then i'm gonna just be so fucking angry for you um and also happy for you like rage yell in joy and celebration of your love um so sam why do you why don't you start us off <laughs> yeah absolutely um so i do want to just like give credence to the anxiety and fear that you're feeling right yeah. like and I don't want to I don't want to be like nihilistic about it or like catastrophic thinking about it but I do want to just like name the fact that the same legal arguments that went into Roe v. Wade are the same legal arguments that went into cases like um Ogerfeld v. Hodges which decided gay marriage um as well as the uh the Texas law that sort of that the Supreme Court overturned around like the criminalization of same-sex relationship and same-sex sex. Um, right. Using same-sex here to mean queer, <laughs> right? Like yeah. literally yeah. in like the legal way that they would look at it, recognizing that like sex and gender and sexuality are all like completely separate. Um, and so there is now precedent for the Supreme Court overturning these decisions. Um, and justices like Clarence Thomas have made it really clear that he doesn't believe that uh, that gay marriage is a right enumerated in the Constitution and therefore shouldn't be protected by the Supreme Court. Um, and there's a conservative supermajority on the court right now. And we for sure thought that there would be folks that would be sort of moderate to try and keep the court from becoming looking like a political arm, right? Like a very hyper politicized thing. And those same justices voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. So like the, the reality of the fraught legal situation that we're currently in is really yeah. real. Like there, yes. We're seeing a lot of really bad decisions come from the Supreme Court that are related not just to Roe v. Wade, but also to democracy, to um, worker protections, to all sorts of things. And it is a very real possibility that based on the way that the judges argued Roe v. Wade and overturning that, that they could also overturn a lot of different rights that we have come to enjoy in the United States, including the rights for um, queer people to get married to each other. Yes. So- I want to say that in like a very like calm and rational way, but I also want to be really clear that there are a lot of queer people out there in this moment who are saying that this thing is never going to happen, even though it's a very real possibility. Yeah. And whether that's coming from fear, disbelief, or from this sort of weird sort of intense sense of like entitlement and privilege, like they would never come for us. We can talk about the... The, whether or not, like what those motivations are. But do you want to be really clear? Like this is a distinct possibility that gay marriage will no longer be a legally protected thing in the United States. It will still be legally protected in states that have 
passed laws that say that it is protected, right? So like Minnesota is one of those states. New York is one of those states. California, Massachusetts, many states have passed laws that have said that gay marriage is legal. Um, But if you travel to a state like Kansas and you were married in a state like Minnesota and something happened to your spouse, you would not be legally understood to be married by the state of Kansas. It is not a legally protected thing in that state. So it's scary. It is also the way that things worked for a long time, right? Like there was this legal protection around gay marriage is new. Um, And so there was a time when it was, first of all, where gay marriage was just illegal in the United States in all 50 states. And then there was a period of time when it was sort of a patchwork where some states were legal and some states it wasn't. My friend um, got married in, I believe, 2008 in Iowa because it was the only state nearby where gay marriage was legal. Um, and so, like, that's going to be – that is a potential reality that we're going to have to to look at. So, like, you – I'm only answering this. I'm really trying not to mansplain this to you, but I'm like really only trying to like say this to you. No, you're mansplaining you like it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Because you asked and for it. And I also it. asked you, I wanted to preface our actual advice with, yeah. with the affirmation of reality that you're giving us, that this is for sure real. And all of us were like, it's not going to happen to Roe v. Wade. And then it did happen. And it you did know, happen. Well, not everybody. Right, exactly. No, and it's it's like one of these things where it's like, we can like look at TikToks and get like, a minute of information, but I do think it's important for us as queer people also to be having these conversations with each other to like try and figure out, first of all, like what's actually happening. And secondly, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> right. Yes. Like, what is the thing that we're going to be working on if this comes to pass, which it, it very well might, and it very well might not too. Right. Like it's very right. much in the air. Yes, I totally agree. And I also want to say, you know, like Sam said, queer people across the country are saying, well, this is never going to happen. But there are also queer people across the country, myself included, that said, okay, what do we, what is our strategy if this does mm-hmm. happen? You know, my wife, my, my wife and I say, what do we have to do to protect her legal rights to our child? You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so I just, I guess Sam and I both wanted to start by affirming this, not in like a doomsday way, like, and not in like a pessimistic way, but to say like, yeah, these fears are real. And these, I think if anything, to paint the picture for folks who aren't having their civil liberties threatened um, and their joy, you know, negotiated with, which is what it feels like. It's not just like our rights, but it's like you, like you said in your letter, my darling, um, this is like, now painting your experience, the, the happiest time of your life is now being painted by this threat. But uh, just to, just to paint that picture for folks who are not experiencing that, um, and also where I am gonna get yell and get angry, but also like celebrate your joy is I'm gonna just say these fears are valid. And fuck those fucking haters. Like, fuck those bigoted <laughs> sons of bitches who are going to yep. come into your marriage and come into your life and your relationship and tell you that the way you seek and explore joy and pleasure and partnership in your life is invalid. Like, fuck these people. Um, the institution of marriage itself is like such a weird, fucked up thing (laughs) that Mm -hmm. comes with its privileges and protections like literally willow and i got married so that we could have legal rights as parents right and to Mm -hmm. have 
tax breaks, right? And the <laughs> yes. ability to like be in a hospital room for one another, right? We we got married for those privileges, but we got married because we love each other, right? Because we want to have a life together. So recognizing that marriage itself is like this complex thing that isn't the threshold that we think it is. And mm. also it is, right? <laughs> like it's a gatekeeper to certain rights and protections, but also like fuck these fucking fucks, right? <laughs> My advice to you, my love, and I know this this comes with this long 20-minute caveat that we started this answer with, is plan your wedding exactly the way you want it, in spite yep. of this fucking threat, in spite of these fucking bigots. In the and and I want you to throw in a year from now, two years from now, in a month from now, I don't care. I want you to throw the biggest fucking gayest gay fucking <laughs> wedding that Candace has ever fucking seen. <laughs> Basically, I say don't let them steal your joy because getting married is a joy, but planning your wedding is a joy. And it sucks that this cloud is hanging over you. So as much as you can emotionally, don't let them, don't let this threat take the joy from your experience. Mm -hmm. If you, if you find yourself that you can't, if you find yourself that you're too preoccupied with this fear, which would also be very understandable, then go to the courthouse, get that document and say, this is, this is a safety net for us, but we're going to still give ourselves the gift of planning a wedding as somebody who had a queer wedding in the middle of COVID with 12 people at it. Like I miss, I missed out on like, I I'm still sad that I didn't get a bachelor party oh. with Sam and Spencer. I'm still uh -huh. mad that I didn't get to dance drunkenly with my fucking friends. I'm still mad that, you know, I'm still bummed that that was taken from me by a pandemic. Right. Yep. And I just want to say, you know, my, my small rant about the institution of marriage earlier was just to say like, when the day comes where you actually have this wedding, whether or not you have that marriage certificate that validates right. your wedding, your marriage in the eyes of lawmakers who don't give a shit about you, it's not, it's not going to affect the joy of that day. Or like you can, yep. man, you can maneuver in a way in which it doesn't touch that joy. Like we went to the courthouse and got buried and then we danced with our 10 family members, right? Uh -huh. Um, not touching each other though, because it was COVID time. It was a very weird day. It was a very, very weird wedding. Um, but that's all to say, like down the line, signing that piece of paper had, had symbolic value to us. It had, it had real protections for us, but it also had nothing to do with that day. So I, I don't know. I'm trying to like oscillate between the two worlds um, and acknowledge the real fears here. But more than anything, I just want to say, like, fuck these fucking haters. I want yep. you to feel fucking awesome. And I want you to celebrate your love. And I want you to plan your wedding at the pace at which you want to plan your wedding. Weddings are fucking stressful to plan. And it's Very unfortunate stressful. that this is like that this is like an additional layer of icing to this what should be a happy cake, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't know, like fuck the, fuck those haters. I've said it like say. 18 times, but that's really just how I fucking feel. Absolutely. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. Have your wedding on your own terms. The, the legal stuff is important for sure. And it does have an impact on our, like how we celebrate our weddings. And also the wedding is about you two, right? Like the wedding is about your community that you're part of. Um, and, and that's not going to go away if the legal protections do. Right. And I don't want to say that in a way of like, 
oh, it'll all be fine. It'll all work out. Right. right. Like, like now is the time for us to and has always been the time for us to like fucking fight and keep fighting. And we are allowed in that fight to take moments of joy. Right. Like yes. to take time to celebrate ourselves and our community because we Yes, it sucks that we have to fight all the time. And also, we're fucking awesome. Like, we're yes. so cool and yes, wonderful and, and awesome. great. Absolutely. And so, like, taking time to celebrate the joy of that doesn't negate the fight that we're having. It is about celebrating our awesomeness as opposed to trying to always, every single day, try and justify our existence, right? Yeah. Um, and I want you to have that opportunity to be able to celebrate rather than just justify because it's yeah. worth celebrating. And I think part of me like oscillated back and forth in answering this letter um, with like less yelling um, because <laughs> at, at first I was like, just go to the courthouse, get it as a, as a fail safe, right? Um, or as a safety net, as I said earlier. And you can still do that. And I like, I think that's a great and fine option. Period. For sure. Like for anybody yeah. out there, just do it. It's just a fucking piece of paper. Um, you just sign it. You pay like twenty dollars or something, and like yeah, totally. That's it. Bam, done. <laughs> and then like it's, you don't, boom, you're you don't married. feel more married afterwards. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> uh, but the one thing I will say that I that I wish for you, other than like a life full of happiness and everything you've ever wanted in your life, um, is I if you go that route and get that paper. I would ask you to still have that huge wedding and take as long as you want to plan it. But what I don't wish for you is that you, that you, I don't know, lessen that wedding planning and party experience, you know, like I don't want you to sign that paper and then be like, Oh, you're already my wife or whatever you want to call your partner. Um, husband has been one of my favorite queer terms. <laughs> Cute, right? Um, I don't want you to be like, oh, well, we've already done this. Let's save money and not have the party. You know, I want you to have the fucking party. I want you to feel that, you know, magical day. I want you to celebrate your love. So my fear is if you, if you, if you get the marriage license as like a just in case that you will undermine yourself ideologically, like in your mind by accident, because you're like, oh, well, we're already, we already done it. Like. And I just don't want that for you. If that turns out being the way it is, like Willow and I always said, like, we're going to have a big wedding one day to make up for our small COVID wedding. Like, I don't know when that's going to fucking happen. You know, <laughs> when Temple goes to college, like, yeah, when are go. we going to want to drop X amount of money, you know, instead of like putting it into our house or traveling or something. But anyway, um, I just, does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. I want you, if you, if you feel like taking that safety precaution, I totally understand. And I actually think that's like a great plan. And also I encourage you to like, not let that change your course of action, yep. but instead just be like one extra little stop. It's not a shortcut. It's just like one little, one little side, 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 little stop. I don't know what I'm trying to say. One little like <laughs> offshoot to grab that piece of paper, but then you're still going to take time to eat that fucking cake samples to like try on dresses or suits or bathing suits or fucking, I don't care what, whatever you're going to wear to your wedding. Um, you know, don't, don't let this fear take away the moments that you deserve. Actually, let me change that. Your fear is totally valid, you know, mm these fucking assholes are not. So don't let these assholes take these special moments from you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I also love that we're like, people are multifaceted. Like every, every human, you know, deserves da, 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 da. And then I'm just like railing on these fucking bigoted pieces of shits. I'm just maybe feeling like my civil liberties are being threatened. So for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm polarized about my beliefs. I, I can understand that they're human beings, but I still think that they should be yelled at at restaurants, Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> First oh of all, God. they were peacefully protesting outside and he had yeah. to leave in a different door, which is like, there. what it, What a minor inconvenience for you. Why is this in the news? I know. Anyway. All right, my darling. Uh, so I guess if anything, I just hope you feel like loved and celebrated by your queer auntie an uncle out here in the middle of nowhere. Um, and uh, we hope you feel a little bit more encouraged to celebrate your love, to not let the bastards drag you down. Don't give them an ounce of your happiness. Uh, and also we're like in this fight with you. Absolutely. We love you, my darling. We hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with. All right, it's a book that is actually coming out on August 2nd. So a couple weeks from now, if you're listening to this in real time, it is co-authored by Sonia Renee Taylor, who is the fantastic author of The Body is Not an Apology, which was one of my first blind dates ever. Um... I know from some of our listeners that that book changed their life. I think Sonia Renee Taylor is like a fucking prophet. Come here to fucking heal us all or tell us how to heal ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I am like a huge fan of everything she does. And um, I'm super, I just pre-ordered this book. Um, it's a journal and it's co-authored by Adrienne Marie Brown, who um, oh, yeah. authored a Yes, of um, several other awesome books. The Emergent Strategy is one that Spencer read and loved and lent to me and I never read. So got to get on that. But so this is a co-authored journal um, titled Journal for Radical Permission, a daily guide for following your soul's calling. And honestly, y'all, I have been like craving sort of a structured journal like that to sort of give my being a new mom. It's really hard to like actually carve out time for myself and my mindfulness mm -hmm. as it is like fucking every day as every human, um, every type of human. But uh, I was looking for something like this that wasn't like, I don't know, cliche, <laughs> you know, or, or one that would actually resonate with me or push me and not just be like, what are your five things you're grateful for? And I really trust these two authors to create something like this. So I'm really excited to dive into it. They've awesome. designed a 12 week course called um, the Institute of Radical Permissions, um, where participants uproot old patterns and create new connections and create new conditions for claiming miraculous potential. And so this structured journal um, is based off of this course. And, uh, yeah, it's all about radical self-love, emergent strategies, and pleasure activism. And this journal gives you, quote, permission to love yourself deeply as you are. I'm super excited to check it out. You can pre-order it with me or, um, you know, get it at your local bookstore. Again, it's called a radical, excuse me, Journal of Radical Permission, a daily guide for following your soul's calling by Sonia Renee Taylor and Adrian Marie Brown. Also, really quick shout out, the day this episode airs is my wedding anniversary. So I love you, Willow, with my whole heart. And thank you for this life that we're building. She doesn't hear this episode. I'm just like putting it out into the universe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so dedicate this episode to her. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions of, about all matters of the heart at JustBreakupPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. And if you join us for $10 a month, you'll you'll also get access to our weekly, not weekly, our monthly lives, including this most recent one that's coming up on uh, July 31st at 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Nope, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. It's literally a Zoom call with me and Sierra. So like, come join us. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music producing, editing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his most recent podcast, Finding Quantum Quest, and remember, you deserve to be celebrated. You deserve to live authentically and wholly as yourself. The way you love, who you love, how you live is all a gift to the world. Don't let those assholes dampen your shine. Don't let those bastards drag you down. We're here to celebrate you. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>